Hey everyone, before we get started, I just want to talk about our sponsor, Anchor. Anchor simply is the perfect place to go if you're trying to start a podcast. First off, free, that's great, but there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Super easy to use, super intuitive. Uh, And then once you have that edited, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more places uh, where you listen to podcasts. And when they're distributed, you can start making money from your podcast right away, no minimum listenership, start getting that Anchor money. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one spot. So what are you waiting for? Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm right now to get started. Now, the Schooner Pod. Kyler Murray runs it. He's got to get out of bounds. Murray still moving. Hello and welcome to um, week seven of the uh, Schooner Podcast. It happened. Uh, we finally lost a game. And the weirdest thing about this week, though, I gotta say, Jameson, is uh, we lost to Texas, but it's not even the biggest news story to talk oh, about. No, see, I was just telling him beforehand, I was really kind of down on trying to make like notes for the podcast and everything because there wasn't much to talk about. Then all of a sudden, the Mike Stoops news came up, and I heard about it last night and everything. As soon as Garrett sent it in the group text and everything, like I like heard it like right after like he said it, and I went to go look and I saw stuff about it. But I realized that there's a lot to talk about now this week, and we don't have to talk about how sad and how poor we did. Yeah. We can also kind of just talk about some extracurricular stuff. And in case you didn't pick up what we're talking about, Mike Stoops, uh, the much maligned defensive coordinator, is out uh, starting today, Monday. Um, whether he got was fired or resigned, we don't really know. I don't. I, I, it was probably very. He was definitely fired. Yeah. Well, the the whole thing was. He came to Lincoln after the game, asking for his resignation. This is all Allegedly. Alleged, all alleged stuff, but I trust this stuff because they can't just make it up. There might be a slight little embellishment of each thing, or it might have been worse, it might have been better. But essentially, he came to Lincoln and said, "Hey, uh, I'm I'm signing in. I'm I'm done as coach." He sent in his resignation, and Lincoln denied him and said, "No, no, 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 no." And then they went off and fired him a couple days later. So there's something in between there that's kind of fishy. Yeah, and what what happened, other than the fact that it was... This was rock bottom defensively. If you look at the stats, just terrible. Uh, 100% red zone scoring rate. Um, or still, that we that whole year is 100%. Yeah, 100%. Well, yeah, of course, it's 100%. This wasn't just this game. This is all season long. It's... Uh, if within the 100%, there's an 86% touchdown scoring rate. It's no. we're, it's one of the. It's not just a bad defense. It's one of the worst defenses in the country. That that 100% red zone scoring rate. Though it, we're, we're tied for last, just because you can't get any worse. We're tied for last with Wake Forest. I no. just if we're just talking defense, this is a. It's an embarrassment. Saturday was rock bottom. We'll get more into that disaster of a game, but. I got, but there's more extracurriculars. Um, 
some of the rumors we've heard through the grapevine are interesting, Jameson. Uh, tell us a little bit more about that. So, the whole thing with Mike Stoops... Allegedly. Everything's yeah. allegedly. So, the whole thing with Mike Stoops firing, that has been really gaining traction a lot today. Started her- hearing a lot of it around 1 or 2 o'clock. I think Dino was starting to post some stuff on Twitter about it. The always about, reliable yeah. Dean Blevins. Yeah, so uh, Dino was saying that there is a embarrassing... A uh, fight that happened during halftime of the game between Mike Stoops and he's called it pretty much childish. And uh, I, oh my goodness, <laughs> okay. it's, it's the bye week. We're watching Monday Night Football. Jameson's kicker just missed a uh, just a hilarious field. Oh, goal. he made it! No, oh, he it made it. Out, it went oh, in dang off it. the ends up, I, not the the goalpost. Yeah, it's okay, been great. seven weeks. We deserve a break. But uh, so essentially, what happened was he supposedly there was a fight between him, him and Curtis Bolton, and there may have been punches thrown. That's what I kind of tell y'all. It might have been embellished. It might have just been a scuffle. But there obviously was something enough to make Mike embarrassed enough to come and give him his reg- resignation after the game. If it was just your, I mean, I was talking to Bobby about this beforehand. Everyone who's played sports and everything, you've always had that kind of experience where a player gets into it with a coach and it's always kind of like you walk on eggshells after the next day but you get over it and it's just part of the competition people get fired up it's a sport filled with testosterone yeah and it's one of the most intense rivalries in any sport yeah and Lincoln said in his press conference today that yeah of course he's like yeah I got into it too and everything but he wasn't going to talk about the fight um I I kind of believe it did happen from what I'm hearing because, like I said, I don't think Mike Stoops would have handed in his resignation if it was just anything, just getting into it a player. And this caused Curtis Bolton to run off and say pretty much screw this team um, and just was ready to just leave the game. And Lincoln supposedly ran off and got him and got Bolton to play, but you saw a lot more of Caleb Kelly in the second half. Goodbye he, red shirt, by the way. Yeah, he's, he's gone. And something I realized, uh, there's a lot of – Freshmen that have lost their red shirts too, like people like Braden Willis and Deshaun White too. Uh, I mean, we figured because he's going to have actually a pivotal spot, but uh, a lot of freshmen not going to get a red shirt, even though I thought they would. But back to the point about the whole drama. So it's the whole: did they fight or did they not? Uh, listening to Sports Animal today. Um, obviously, Al Ashbeck and Traber both have their sources, but they are in a very heated kind of fight between the two because Al's good buddy is Mike Stoops, and he's trying to defend like defend his honor, you know? Yeah. And he's saying, no way that fight happened and everything, and Traber's like, oh, come on, Al. Like, it, like I've got my, like, my sources inside that it definitely happened. We just don't know if there's any punches thrown, really. Obviously, none of them really connected. But the whole thing that's getting, like, even more petty about it is whenever Mike's news finally did come out, uh, we saw people, some players, a lot of former players, too, come out on Twitter and say their, like, goodbyes to him. And the only players that I saw, unless there were some small players that I didn't see, were Deshaun White, linebacker, Kenneth Murray, linebacker, Caleb Kelly, linebacker. I didn't see anything else. So those are your three main linebackers that play. Uh, who's missing? Um, Curtis Bolton. Yeah, Buzzy Bolton, nowhere to be found there. So, so I'm just saying red flags there. Yeah, Stoops is a linebackers coach, outside linebackers coach along with the defensive coordinator. So there's obviously 
some kind of connection with the linebacking crew. Yeah, I mean, that's that's just kind of the case whenever you're with a position group coach. You're always closer. You, you have a bond with them. I mean, even if, you know, they run you hard, or, you know, harder than others, it's, 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 it's like a, it, you, you feel a little di- bit of a different connection than you would with, um, than probably the secondary guys do with them. Yeah, it's just, it's still, but he's still the defensive coordinator, and you would think you at least see some other kind of positions saying, hey, I appreciate everything you did, Mike. And since they didn't, I'm not trying to read into it too much, but this shows just like the players were very against Mike because it's, there's, it's, it's kind of a respect thing to post something, especially when it happens in the middle of the season. Yeah, of course. And it's, it's, it's just, it's such a weird firing, and we've, we've been, Used to nothing but stability, our entire lives really. If you look at it at OU, since I mean, since two thousand, OU's played at a high level. We've had this kind of communal family atmosphere with Bob Stoops. Never fired a head coach until uh, Josh Heupel and uh, Jay Norvell. Um, everyone else just kind of like left or uh, and yeah, and yeah. Everyone's really comparing this to the Venables thing, but Venables left for a much higher paying job. And even though everyone was calling for his head, he got another job. This this is yeah. not the case. We do not fire him in the middle of the season. And it's honestly, I'm embarrassed as a fan of OU. Even though a lot of people that were calling for Stoops' head would be very, very... And, and I found, my, found myself kind of calling for his head. But not like... Not mid-season. Not, but not mid-season. And I, I'm embarrassed that we had to do it in the middle of the season. If, if, if we're being honest, he should have... He should have probably, I'm doing air quotes here, good radio, retired after the Georgia game. The game had passed him by. Um, It it was just obviously abundantly clear that the defense was the issue. But Lincoln Riley made a half measure, kept him on for another year. And they gave him a bonus. They gave him a bonus. Why would you give him a bonus? Like, it's just, it's, he made a half measure, it bit him in the ass, and here we are, and... It's going to. I, I'm not happy with this. I think a lot of OU fans who are rejoicing are about to get a real kick in the ass this yes, season. And I Once, agree too. Yeah, I mean, it's going to look really good when we're running over K State and uh, and some of these kind of lighter teams ahead. Um, we don't. Yeah, we got TCU. Not really big on TCU. Um, TCU's offense has been very shaky recently. So yeah, hopefully we'll be good there. But. Uh, and then K State after. I mean, we don't have really powerful offenses to face these next. I mean, we got this bye. First of all, can we just be very, very blessed that even though we're mad that this did happen in the middle of the season, very good that it did happen during a bye week. So it really helps the transition. We got another week where we have an open day. We have an open day to even if we want to, uh, which I'm thinking, not which I'm agreeing with Traber on this. Traber said this right after the game. We just need to have open positions. We we no one who everyone who is a starter under Mike, you're not a starter yeah. anymore. Come out and we're we're gonna see who's really gonna do it. All the way down to the people that don't ever play. I mean, I'm talking Mead, the middle yeah. linebacker. Just you, rip you, the defense yeah, down. Mead, you you can have a shot to take Bolton's spot. Um, people just like. I mean, Will Johnson. Not Will, God, I'm doing it again. Robert Barnes. Robert Barnes. You have even though he's playing. Let's see if he can go take Houghton's spot. Like. Uh, just people like that. I, th- I think we just need to completely just have a scrimmage and see uh, just offense versus defense and full-on tackle. Yeah. And let's see, are you going to go out and make your tackles? Do you have an, like? Do you want to go make that tackle? Because there's a lot of 
players out there. It doesn't look like they really have that nose to go in there and actually hit someone hard and actually make a tackle. Everyone's really kind of holding back. And one thing that I was reading on a TFB, they said, sources tell me that there's a sense inside the defensive locker room that no matter how bad some guys play, they don't come off the field and there are no consequences and you don't have any account- accountability. It, yeah, I've, I've felt like that's been an issue under this second round of Mike Stoops players is you don't have that accountability. If his guys are his guys and he's got to write them out until I don't, until it becomes abundantly obvious. And, and you can see that with our defensive linemen. Like, our pass rush is miserable. Oh, and God. I feel like no one makes a move to try to get to the quarterback. It's just kind of just hit them and just kind of like... There's no aggression happens. at all. And our only part of pass rush is if we're sending someone off the edge or actually have a blitz going. But you've got to get your defensive lineman whenever you're having a pass rush. You can't just, just kind of hit someone and just kind of hope the play comes to you. That's not going to work. So we're going to need someone to come out and actually come with some fire. I don't know if that would be Isaiah Thomas... As like a DN maybe, but our defensive line is so so thin, especially with Ruffin McNeil taking over as our new defensive coordinator. He is a guy that is. There's sources saying that he might do a forefront instead of a three front. So our thin defensive line is going to be even thinner right now. So I don't know how much competition there be there, but yeah, we it's... need. I mean, see, Riley said there is going to be a spark with this firing, and. Usually a spark is an addition, so that's kind of weird terminology. It shows you how... I don't think it would be a spark unless everybody hated him. Unless it's a true addition by by subtraction, and really what the spark should be is just lighting a fire into this defense's ass and letting them know that this is not acceptable and they're losing us ballgames. It needs to be completely retooled. Um, there, I mean, they're just abundant if issues with it. And I hate that Kyler... Like after the game was all choked up about, and I understand it's not his fault. And I understand it's part of it. It's majority of it. It's because he hasn't lost a game since middle school. So yeah, and and the two turnovers. But we'll we'll get onto that a little later. But I at the I I just I just felt like giving him a hug and giving him the Robin Williams and Goodwill hunting. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. Yeah, it's brutal. But it's like I think I don't think they're gonna do it. But I would really like to kind of see just a clean slate. And saying, okay, Mike is gone now. There's obvious issues. Yeah. Um, this is a new new order. Let's see if you can go out and actually compete and actually want it. Because even even if you're if you say that and you don't truly mean you're going to give those jobs to those third string guys, that at least give some people some ounce of like competitiveness in their blood to like actually go out and try harder for their jobs instead of just know that I'm good no matter what I do. Yeah, just everyone, we're starting from scratch. You're, you're either, you either want your job or you don't. And I'm fine. Yeah, like I said, they can bluff it. That is completely fine. I just We just need to do something to put a fire. Give it like a guys. mini training camp sort of yes. thing. Yes, and that is fine. We've got this bye week to do it. There's yeah. no better time during the season to do it. In, a, in, in all honesty, if there was a time for a wake-up game, it, it this is kind of Weirdly enough, perfect. It's against your biggest rival, um, who's highly ranked, and with the Big Twelve setup, if we went out and they went out, we get a chance to redeem it. Yes. So it's not like blowing it against Iowa State or K State or someone where it just it, it's just purely embarrassing. The comeback kind of saved our our ass a little bit in terms of respectability. But this, but. With that being said, they just need to. There are changes that definitely need to be made, and hopefully they'd make them. However, again, like 
I, I like I like Ruffin, I like Bob Diaco, but if if people are expecting to see if the Gooners and the and these students who have been chanting fire, fire Mike Stoops for four years straight uh, are expecting everything to magically get better, you're wrong. It's going to be a struggle. I think best case scenario, you see something next year. Uh, so for people that don't know, Ruffin is not going to be our defensive coordinator moving forward. He's an interim, and they made it very uh, Lincoln made it very sure in during the press conference that he's saying this is our defensive coordinator for the rest of the year, aka interim. Yeah. So he's going to go out and hire a big name. Uh, we could sit here, and a lot of people, especially like the oldies, want to go out and speculate of who's going to be. It's probably just expect kind of a new age, young mind, fresh, someone with a bunch of uh, grit behind them, kind of like what Lincoln Riley was whenever he came in to come in. But uh, essentially with the whole, oh, we should have gotten Diaco and everything. And that, I, I'm not going to lie, that was me at first. But he was a defensive analyst um, on our squad. He, yes, he's more, uh, he was just a defensive coordinator. Um, Ruffin was it in 2008 last I think was it was yeah but he all, yeah and then he was head coach at uh, Eastern East Carolina and should not honestly not have gotten fired uh-uh, he's no. fired after like an eight and four year yeah eight, five and four, no, five and four, was, five or seven five yeah that was something that was good for it for for the Pirates that year they got greedy and now they're losing to North Carolina A and T yeah because there was like they were pretty de- I remember them being pretty decent but, yeah. But so Ruffin is t- about ten years removed from defensive coordinator. Yeah, and Diaco is only one. Yes. So I thought about that, but since he is an analyst, analysts cannot have conversations and make relationships with the players. They're just only kind of a press box guy, kind of work with the coaching staff. So he doesn't have any relationship with the players. Yeah. So it wasn't really a good move to make him an interim coach. He that'd be something maybe a look at in the off season. Yeah, but I I, I don't expect that. But he's now our outside linebackers coach because that was what uh, Mike Stoops was as well. So now he's going to start to become have a relationship with the players. And I like Bobby and I were talking about. You think he's kind of be the brains, kind of behind the operation. That's kind of what I've heard. Um, he he he's going to handle a lot of the scheme and a lot of the play calling. While uh, Ruffin is kind of more the raw, raw guy, the on-field presence to get people fired up, which is something I think the defense has missed sorely. We, yeah, we've had little Stoops up there throwing temperature drums <laughs> in his in his press box. So Tiny it, little box. It will be something different to have a defensive coordinator on the field because if you think about it, like we really don't have an offensive coordinator. We have Lincoln. Yeah. So Lincoln's on the field. He's top dog, and our defensive coordinator, our other head-on show, has been up in the press box. And I understand that we have, like, Bill Biedenbaugh is kind of like an associate head coach, and then Ruffin's also been one. But we really haven't had an offensive coordinator or a defense coordinator on the field in who knows how long. Well, since, since 2014, yeah, whenever, since 2014. whenever Mike was down there. Yes, exactly. Um, so it's, it's, I think it's, it's going to bring – I think that would bring, will bring a different energy. I, I don't know. I think more than anything, uh, I think the players have – players got to be a little embarrassed, the ones that – did like Mike Stoops? I'd be like, okay, we just got our guy fired. Let's let's step it up. This is our this is part of this is on us. Yes. So, well, that's um, that's pretty much all I have to say about. Yeah. One firing. one last thing that you made me think of with uh, that about the guys that did like Mike Stoops. The biggest thing is I just do not want to divide in the locker room. Oh now. no, not at all. It's, That'd be terrible. Especially if this fight thing is true. 
We don't want to have our fans are already torn. It's the the relationship between our, the defense and our fans is already burned. Yeah. But if we have a disconnect between one group of players that was on Team Mike and one group of players that was Team Anti Mike, and it's kind of this feud that we cannot mesh together for the rest of the season. Good luck, Gooners. You ain't gonna see the same defense. You might even see a worse defense. It, this year. It, I might it could go, it could bottom out. I, I could really if if there is some kind of chemistry issues, it could go, get a lot worse than what we have. right Right now, um, and also with that, another note to the Gooners: stop going out and harassing like Mike Stoops' family on Twitter. Yeah, like okay, it's already horrible that y'all go and harass the recruits on the University of Oklahoma versus Oklahoma University. That's just petty. But whenever you go on and you're like commenting at like like Mike Stoops' wife and stuff, and yeah, like just back off. That, that's that's this dude is a person, even though he's done really poorly for us and is screwed. People might blame him for the Rose Bowl. People might blame him for this game. Uh, he is a person too, and we got to respect that. And we can't disconnect football from personal life because it is inter- It's like it goes together. Yeah. And uh, you know, I you can definitely tell by the Mike Stoops temper tantrums and how he's handled himself these past couple of years. This has really, really got to him, and you can tell. Like I. Like, he's probably really down on himself right now. Of course. After the game, he looked like a man defeated. He looked like a man with no options. And honestly, if, if it was a resignation, I don't blame him. And it's it should have been something that happened probably sooner. And mm-hmm. I wonder if he had even considered it after the Rose Bowl. And Lincoln kind of talked him off off the end of jumping off of yeah. uh, of, of 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 uh, leaving, but yeah, is Lincoln too nice? Is the thing because he denied his resignation at the end of the game, and then Gallagher and Castiglione went, came in, stepped in, and kind of pushed it over the edge. I mean, I understand Lincoln's the head honcho, and he said during his press conference today that he's like, "Oh no, they kind of let me do my own thing. It's not like I'm getting pushed around." But it's like, does he? Do you think he? Yeah, he's a player's coach, but does he have the fire and the energy to make big time decisions? Yeah, and I imagine for him, it's still it's his second year. It still feels like he's in probably he's still in like basically Bob Stoops' office, and he's in the machine Stoops built. So it. Going forward, we need to see him put his stamp on the program, do his thing. And with Mike Stoops, that's like kind of the major first changing, like biggest uh, subtraction uh, from Mike's or from Bob Stoops' uh, kind of crew he had. Uh, probably more firings will come at the end of the season. I think Cooks is going to be gone. Uh, yeah. We were talking about this before. Kish. Kish is going to be gone. And honestly, I think they just need a full reset. Just the total total reset of the defensive staff, but yeah, I would not be surprised if you see all of the coaches that have been long tenured just get completely just wiped out. When we bring in new people. Um, we trust Lincoln's scheme. We're big on him, and I understand he's not a big defensive coach, but we need to trust in Lincoln and let him bring in his guys, so we don't have these old world and new world guys kind of competing between each other. Because you can definitely can tell. Uh, that Cooks and Kish, especially those two, that are they're going to be kind of sitting there like, okay, for the rest of the season, I really need to go out and prove myself, or else I'm toast. Yeah, this this has to have put a fire under everyone's asses. Hopefully, it shows because the game was just a disaster on Saturday. So I think we should probably reluctantly dive into some of our notes and uh, nuggets about this. Yeah. Um, that was one of the worst defensive performances I've seen in a long time. Well, not a long time. I wish since, I could. I wish the, I could say. I wish I could say a long time. It wasn't even the worst I saw this year, technically. Um, 
We made Sam Ellinger look like Vince Young. We made legends and heroes out of a bunch of mediocre players. I still am not sold on Texas yet, honestly. Weirdly enough. Me, me neither, and I don't know if that's just me being insolent about this whole thing and trying to put my shade my eyes to what's the truth, but uh, I, I just can't because I've seen our defense for this whole year, and I saw what Zeb Nolan did to us, and then Zeb Nolan goes out next game, throws for 79 yards, next game gets benched. Uh, Zeb Nolan's diff through for 300 plus yards and a couple like a handful of touchdowns against us, and then he gets benched a couple weeks later versus other defenses. Like, should OU the OU has the best personnel? We should be definitely shutting these guys down better. Yeah. And every single time an offense comes and plays OU, I just think, oh, that's just because it's OU. Just because it's not a really that good. Team. Watch. Watch Sam. Sam Ellinger is going to go out this week, and it's just not going to be as good as it was last week. No, and we'll we'll get to the Baylor game cause, uh, later because I I think that's actually going to be a very intriguing game for just the Big Twelve in general. But um, Ellinger, I mean, three three touchdown runs on the same damn play. How do we not know how to stop a quarterback? Well, it's because like, it's because they know that we're horribly horrible at tackling. And whenever you have a quarterback run, you get an extra blocker. Yeah. And the extra blocker, we're, we already can't make the first tackle. So if we did, sometimes we didn't even get a first tackle. He just got right by us. But if there was a first tackle, he'd get by him. I mean, you can't even do that on the NCAA football 14 on rookie. No. Even even the computer would be like, this yeah. is a little, a little yeah, stupid. QB, QB power was a very bad play. Exactly. <laughs> it's, 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 it was maddening. Absolutely maddening. Um, and then he threw in some pretty good pass, uh, passing you know, stats, you know, two, two touchdown passes, three fourteen. It's just That just kind of happens when you, you know, put up 48. To be honest, I was actually kind of impressed. I'll give it up to him. He actually did throw some pretty good balls. Um, there weren't too many that he did miss. But uh, that QB run and everything, it's it, it wasn't just touchdowns. It's not like it was some kind of belldozer. This was like their, okay, during the field goal drive whenever they went down, the biggest play was whenever he ran up the middle from the, 32-yard line to the 24. Yeah. And that's that's whenever it made that... 40, that that made put it, it in 40, position. Made it a 40-yard field goal. Uh, that's the play that put it over. Uh, third downs, they, that was their go-to. Every single kind of short play or just kind of... They do it on first down sometimes. It was a game, I, I don't know how many rush attempts he had, but it was probably a significant amount. He was their second uh, second biggest rusher. Oh, man. But, yeah. That's, that's, just, that's just unacceptable. Um, we Jameson... Once again, you called it on the big receivers. Um, little Jordan Humphrey and Colin Johnson just m- kind of murdered her secondary. Little Jordan had uh, nine receptions for 133 yards, one receiving touchdown, and one passing touchdown, which, yeah, that just kind of happens, a little Tebow jump pass. But with, uh, And then Colin, uh, Colin, Colin Johnson had uh, six receptions, 91 yards, one re- uh, receiving touchdown. But for me, the play that really kind of stood out about how awful that was was the third and 21 play where he threw, threw a little, they threw a little screen pass to him. The guy ran 19 yards, carrying half of our defense. And they pushed him up all the way and they got a fourth down conversion. Exactly, yeah. And, they, and then there was another third and long where they threw it, what, 18 yards and the guy caught it in the middle of the field and then they converted that fourth, right? Yeah, they were there were, I, I believe, three different third and 20 plays that we blew. And yeah. All three ended up in Longhorn points. And, and, of, of course. And I was saying, 
I was saying we are very much to blame for this game because the refs were giving them so many holding calls. Oh, yeah. No, they didn't get a hold until we came back. Like, it they was... had 13 yards of penalty penalties against uh, uh, um, until, like, I don't know, like the fourth quarter? Yeah, but like that fourth quarter, like, whenever we were trying to stop them, hold, hold. There was like four or five straight holding. I mean, they just... Act like it was nothing. Just drove right past it. Yeah, well, I mean, there, let, let's look at this. Um, this is ridiculous. Our, the first Longhorn punt of the game came with 8.29 left in the third quarter. There were only four punts total, and two of those p- possessions were plagued by, like, early drive holds. And also, did we have any turnovers? No. No. We didn't get any turnovers. It's just typical OU. I don't get it. I really, really don't get it. One bit. It's even versus the bad teams. The only turnovers we get are in slot play. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I can't tell you the last time we had like a pivotal, like in a big game, a pivotal like turnover that that actually, isn't the last drive of the game and, and to like save your ass. We don't, we don't get a third quarter interception. Like, and our guys are in the right spot. You'll see it all the time. It's just a lot of the time with our cornerbacks, like they aren't turning their head to the ball. You saw that with Trey Norwood on that field goal drive. He got that pass interference. He was right there. And if he just turned his head to the ball, he would have had just as much as to catch that ball as the wide receiver did. Uh, Parnell Motley on that same drive, there's another play where he's right in position, could have turned his head. Who knows? He could have got the interception there, didn't turn his head. No pass interference on that one, but still could have gotten a big play there. Um, it's just I don't see us making plays and turnovers on defense. We don't get sacks. That's what I was talking about earlier. Our sacks only come from, like, like really coverage sacks. I can't tell you the last time we got, like, well, I guess not this game. I'm sure in the past. But, I mean, like, we did not have any sacks this game where we went and we just busted a gap right down the middle and just sacked Ellinger with, like, three seconds. There was one, I think there was one good Caleb Kelly or Bolton sack. But uh, the problem is whenever we would put pressure on him and would put him in third and 20 situations, we immediately blew it and then all the air just went out of us like you just popped a balloon slowly. It, it... It's just rough, because whenever they were aggressive and were doing the right things, everything, uh, you know, immediately went to crap, like, immediately after. I agree, but how do you how do you fix not getting turnovers? Because you obviously have the skill guys to do it. Are we just, are all of our guys don't have a nose for the football? Or is it, like, some kind of our coaching that was having to do with it? Like, how do you fix guys saying, hey, let's make breaks for the ball and get an interception? Hey, how do you fix a guy from... I mean, do you teach them to go for the ball, the strip sacks, and the, and the sack? Like, are they not doing that? Yeah, I, they're, they're just not pressing the, the aggressive button, and you know, when they hit when they go to the menu, and uh, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, no, seriously though, they they need. I think that needs to be an emphasis: is being more aggressive, being the aggressors, putting some pressure on the offense, and not just letting it happen. And even if you do make that play where you kind of take a gamble, and if they go down and score a touchdown. Oh well, it's better than them taking like nickel and diamond us down the field like the most they're going to do almost every single drive, and it gets the ball back to our offense quicker. Let me put it this way: it's so bad that I kind of miss Zach Sanchez because at uh, least Zach Sanchez, Zach, even though he got our, burnt, even though he got burnt, he at least went for it. Yeah, and and it's sad. We, I mean, I would have substituted him for anyone on that cornerback or anyone in the defensive back right yeah. now, but. I, he was one. Of, he's one of my least favorite OU players of all time. Yeah, because he 
constantly got burnt, but that's because he was aggressive. And, that, and, that's what, and that's what we need. It's, it's more situational. I'm not saying that you need to be biting all the time, but that's what this team needs because turnovers create such good momentum, and it completely deflates the offense that just threw it. And gets in the quarterback's mind, say, okay, I can't be as comfortable with me throwing. It gives you good field position most of the time, and it gives your whole sideline worked up and ready to get. Yeah, that, and that's what happened to Ellinger last year in the Cotton in the Cotton Bowl. They they Obo Obronco was was on it all the time, and it forced a lot of Ellinger mistakes that I think that swung us the game that year. It just didn't happen this year at all. Yeah, and the thing talking about Obo, uh, Mark Jackson. is... We were very high on him the first two games, and he yeah. deserved it. He was doing very well, but he got bully balled by that offensive line. He did. He he really did. It was it was it was rough. Um, I, I, you, you kind of have to feel bad for him, but you know, um, it's, we, we he shouldn't put him be up playing. There D, he shouldn't be no. playing D line. He, he's, he's out he's of position. A jack. He's a he's a linebacker by position. Yeah, and he's what he's two two thirty two twenty five something like that. Addison Gums with two fifty something. So yeah. that would have been nice to have. He, I mean, that's that 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 nice. you could have put Addison Gums there. He's longer. I understand he's not as bulky, but he's longer and bigger, and he could have played more of what we were trying to get Mark Jackson to do last game. But Mark Jackson, he, he's a, a very – what I've kind of tried to, try to describe it as is he's a very specialty player. I, I can't see him as an every-down kind of guy. I, I would agree with that. Um, here's a question. Uh this is interesting, especially with how things are getting retooled. Do you think Buki's out of position? Oh, I, I think they need to move him I, to corner. I think, I think it's he's hugely out of position, and I don't think they want to move him to corner because they finally have. I'm starting to finally see that they're liking Trey Brown now, but, and they should. And I think it was very clear during the game that they they said Trey Norwood is their number one, and I know that's crazy. But they were they were doing like every other drive would be like a Trey Brown, Trey Norwood, and they'd be Trey Nora Parnell. But what if we saw that there was a lot of snaps from Trey Brown, but we ended with Parnell and Trey Norwood. So that shows the pecking order. They're just they're just showing some good rotation, and we've got and we've got to like that because we've been calling for rotation. And they're finally giving us and a lot do, more Trey and Brown. Doing that. And they're and they're putting more Barnes out there. You've seen Barnes every other drive every. Three drives, you'd say. Yeah. I but definitely going back to that Buki question, I have not been happy with his play. We talked about that last week whenever I was talking about Caden Stearns. He's Caden, been incredibly upset. Caden Stearns didn't do much last last week, but he didn't need to really, to be honest with you. No. Uh, he uh, Buki. Everyone thought that ex- you you said he was going to be the Big Twelve newcomer of the year. Yes. He is top three, probably top four missed tackles on our team. You can last check, he was one. Yeah, and uh, he's probably uh, oh, he's definitely a guy who's not big enough yet because every time he goes in for a tackle, he just puts a shoulder into him and hopes they knock out of bounds or something. And uh, you can't do that in college football, especially whenever you're his size. He's a short guy; he's about five ten. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's not gonna fly. Um, and I don't. The thing is with me. Call me crazy. I don't even want to move him to corner. I just want to put Jordan Parker in there. That, wow, that's bold. Jordan, yes, and I know that's crazy because he's huge as the face of our, especially as our youth team. Like everyone's saying, like all the recruits want a picture of Buki. Yeah, because that that's our face on our defense. But I just don't like what I've seen, and it goes back kind of this whole fresh thing. I I think send out Jordan Parker out there. He's a bigger guy, six foot. Um. 
I think he can definitely make better tackles than him, and he might not have. And and this kind of contradicts that I'd see Buki more as a guy who could make those turnovers, and he does have kind of a nose for the football better than anyone else. Yeah. But it's this plus minus thing. Uh, that there's a bigger plus of having physicality and making tackles, and that's the bigger need in this defense than having a chance of getting a turnover, which he hasn't gotten yet this season. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's enough. Uh, um... Enough talk about defense here. Um, honestly, it was warranted. It was very warranted. I feel like we've been doing that the whole year on this pod. Was we just ramble about the defense every single time, and we find so much to talk about. But uh, if we're an offensive team, and our stellar play on every single week is on offense, but there's so much bad to talk about defense that we find ourselves just rambling about defense. Yeah, and I, I feel like we've been almost like defensive apologists sometimes, you know, some especially with some scheme stuff. But now it's just, no, it's bad. It needs a reset, total reset. Um, and I think the first thing a lot of people look at with the offense and the offensive woes was Kyler Murray and his two turnovers. Some people blamed him, um, at least up until the comeback. I think that's just ridiculous. Sure, he had the two big turnovers. Get, but if the defense gets two more stops, I think we cover for God's sake. Oh yeah, um, I mean, look, look at his tape. For, or, I mean, look, just look at look look at his look at his stats. Three sixty nine all purpose yards. Ninety four with ninety four of those being rushing. Four touchdowns. Yeah, his decision making was questionable at times. We saw uh, kind of the downside to the Kyler Murray that a lot of people kind of thought would happen, but that's you know to be expected. He's not Baker Mayfield. Um, but the guy's electric. He he was not. He was definitely not the issue at all. I think. Um, what what, do you, what did you think about Kyler's play? Uh, the the interception was sad. Uh, it just was an ill warranted throw. There's one side of me. Was he thinking the way he kind of described it? He just wasn't thinking. and He just kind of threw it. If, but if you'd have thrown that, I, I, when I my first impression was, if you'd have thrown it higher and lobbed it, yeah. he could have gotten to the receiver behind him. I think it was Lee Morris that was coming behind him. I don't really remember. Yeah, it was Lee Morris. Uh, he, he kind of did the across the body middle yeah. of the field ultimate if, quarterback send yeah, thing. If he would have lobbed it over him and gave him some more air, that actually could have been a good throw. Yeah, but that thrown in the middle of the field like that's very dangerous. And then the fumble. Oh my. I was so infuriated during the game because I thought if the ball touched the ground with your possession, you were down. Uh, that is not a rule. You can use the ball to prop yourself up just like your hand, and it's, it's it's considered like an extension of your body, and you have to be down with your elbow or your knee. So uh, I, I guess it's just kind of like having a club on your hand. You can kind yeah. of put yourself up with the football, but I did not think that, and I was so mad. It's weird because I, I, it's, it's just strange how you can call it of your hand, but also... The ground can't cause a fumble, so it, I don't know, it was just a little weird whenever yeah. I saw it, but... It really caught me off guard, uh, I, and that's another thing, though, uh, he's kind of holding the ball like Michael Vick, you know, and the big thing on Michael Vick, yeah, he was electric and run the ball over, but he'd always hold it kind of just with one hand like that, kind of running around, not holding it securely with two hands, and you see that a lot with running quarterbacks, I, I don't know if that makes them feel faster. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, I it, obviously it is to have one free hand kind of next to you. It just makes you more aerodynamic. Gives you the motion. But, but it's, that's that's definitely going to get caught in his head because he was really, really down on himself for those two turnovers. And I really hope this doesn't um, 
get into his head afterwards and kind of makes him more conservative because we need him making those plays because that run at the end of the game. Oh, my God. To bring it within seven. Absolute just unreal. insanity. And I that that was the highlight of the game to me. Yes, I mean, it was in our it's our intro. It's, for God's sake, it's like he just took over. He said we need to score quick, and I so I'm going to start trying now. And he just burned everyone. I'm just going to outrun line. everyone on this field, and they aren't going to stop me. And they didn't. And you don't you don't see that in college football. You don't just see a guy like, hey, I'm just going to take this upon. You could just tell, like, okay, screw this. I'm not going out of bounds. I'm just going to take it. And he did a great job of kind of faking it kind of the end and then cutting off. Yeah. Oh, it was great. It was just, uh, we were going crazy. Mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, in our little end, we were we were going nuts. I might be concussed. I think I hit my head against uh, a bleacher. Um, did you fall? Well, no, no, no. <laughs> what happened was... There's no bleachers above you, right? There, were, I, I, there, there was one. There, there, there were two rows above us, and... Um, I th- we were jumping around, I think, at one point. Uh, one of the guys was with, shout out Ben Jones. Uh, somehow, for some reason, put me in a headlock, and we just kind of fell down. Oh, like, yeah, okay, hit the okay. back of my head. I was about to say, you can't jump up into a bleacher. You obviously had to just fall down. Yeah, no. <laughs> I, I have an, a, just an absurd amount of bruises from that comeback. It, it was just. just can we t- let's talk about the comeback? Yeah. On the other hand, while you there's an alternate. Hi- I'm sorry to interrupt. There's an alternate history where that is one of the best Sooner Magic moments of all time. Oh yeah, where the defense just gets one more stop and we go to overtime. And you got to think that we had the momentum to take it in overtime. It's kind of scary seeing a short field for Texas. To be honest, in overtime, I feel like um, we're better kind of suited having a longer field because uh, we're more big play kind of. But uh, you can't say. I know this is just me being a Sooner homer, but I was very confident that if it did go to overtime, we'd have it. But whenever I saw the comeback, I just was so deflated. I was face-palming for pretty much the whole game. Uh, I just All you want to do during those Texas games is just get all riled up and just kind of just make fun of Texas and everything, but I didn't have any opportunity to do that. Yeah. And it- so it just really just took it out of me. And that's that's fair. And I was I was I was like I was like kind of excited for the first one. I'm like, all right, we have hope. The second one, I flipped out. And the, but the third one, I knew we ran out of time. We, we did it way too early. I was worried we were going to do it too early. We did. I was I was really nervous. Yeah. And all my friends were like, no, no, no. We have enough time to get the ball back and score again. I'm like, yeah, no. And the thing is, we didn't even have the timeouts, too. We had burned them on poor defensive plays. Before. Oh, my God. Yeah, I think we only had, we had, one, we only had one going into the... Yeah, because we had burned them on two defensive sets that we didn't like. We Jeez. So, that's, so, one thing I did hear after the game is um, that there was... I think Mike was saying in his post-conference, so there was kind of a miscommunication between the players and the... Uh, Oh wow, twenty six to six. Jeez, I, the, we we kind of forgot about the game. We just switched back. It is ugly. But uh, yeah, there's there's a miscommunication between the players and the coaching, and they they weren't all in their correct schemes with each other. So I mean, yeah, you see that all the time. We always look like chickens with our heads cut off. But they actually said there is some kind of, and that's what's going to happen with big games. You're not going to be able to communicate well. Yeah. And so that's just a given. So I'm not very surprised by that at all. Yeah, but it, it was one of those things where they just didn't even really quite know their schemes. It looked like it, it was just—it was a total mess. Here we are back on the defense, but <laughs> yeah, I just 
I don't know. I, 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 I don't think it was the offensive, offense's fault. The running game looked great. Kennedy Brooks looked good again. Um, this is the first. Welcome back, Trey Sermon. Yeah. Finally looked good, like really good for the first Sutton, time this Sutton season. Sutton played decently. Sutton played well. I was well. still hoping to see a little bit more from Kennedy Brooks, but Marcelli Sutton and Trey Sermon were playing so well. Uh, you could definitely see that Kennedy Brooks did not get the nod as the number two guy over Sutton. They still like him more. Yeah. Um, but all in all, I was very, very pleased with it. Um, the, the biggest issues, I I mean, were the key mistakes at the wrong time. Uh, whenever Texas had the lead, uh, on a couple drives where we weren't, where we didn't score and didn't turn it over, uh, our punting drives basically, uh, they're they're all stuck by you know holding calls on first down. Then you're ten, yeah. ten behind, and OU OU plays good when they have ten yards. They can work it around a little mm-hmm. bit, but if you're if you're having to scramble around, Kyler, if you if you if you have to force Kyler to make big plays in order to convert a first down. It's never going to go great for you. Mm-hmm. And for anyone. And that was one thing that really surprised me watching the replay this morning is how much we punted. Uh, I didn't remember it that much as punting that much, but we did. It was a significant amount. And uh, whenever your defense is playing like that, you go, we can't do that. We can't punt that much. But no. uh, but other than that, I mean, not. It not, shouldn't take not. It shouldn't take only two possessions of having to punt to. Win a game. No Beamer ball either. There was nothing. There was nothing going. It wasn't bad. It wasn't good. It just Trey, Trey flat Brown neutral. had some good kick returns to like the thirty-five. You could tell he was like he'd get past. The, I mean, the first the first kickoff return of the game, he passed everybody and the kicker got him. That really upset me because I'm really willing to see. Yeah, that was Trey exciting. Brown. I was thinking of you when that happened. I was uh, like, oh, Javis is freaking uh, out right now. Man, and he did that a couple times. He's doing very well as a kickoff returner. It was like not bad. Like there was, there was, just it, it was just it was good, but it wasn't. There wasn't a moment where we where it would warrant a Beamer ball update. There was just no kinda, Beamer just, ball. It just happened. There was no Beamer ball. It was all in Blacksburg because Beamer got his little statue. Ah, oh, that's true. Did you have you have oh, you seen the statue yet? No, how derpy is it? It's not. It, it's funny because they they took like a like a like a headset and put it around his little his little neck blob. So oh, that does, that's not going to work. No, it's it, it's Frank Frank Beamer, but like his neck blob's covered up, and it just makes me sad because <laughs> that's the most iconic Frank Beamer thing. That's my first beef with it. The second thing I have an issue with is it's not his pose after the uh, zero zero uh, Virginia oh, Tech Wake yes. Forest tie, yes. where he has his hands up. <laughs> that that should have been it. Like that, they should have given them that statue after the game. They didn't even have to wait for him to retire. I had completely forgotten about That's, that. That is one of the best college football photos of all time. Uh, so that's at least we have a little bit of Beamer talk this week. I would have been sad without it. Um, well, really, that's that's all I have to say about the game. Yeah. Uh, looking forward. Rematch? I I would be down to do this at Jerry yeah. World again. Honestly, so let's play a little bit of scenario game here. I love it. So with Texas, they're a one loss team, but their loss came from out of conference. Yeah, they are undefeated in the conference play. That is conference play record is all that matter. So theoretically, you could like go winless in non conference and then win out and you're in. So if Texas wins out, we win out. That would, you would think, oh, it's like Texas Tech, Texas. OU, three-way split. No, it's it not. Be. It's because Texas is one loss is out of conference. But think, so we'd have a head-to-head versus West Virginia, 
and still make it in over there. Well, yeah, we would, well if OU and Texas both won out, West Virginia would have two conference losses and be done. Oh, true that. Yeah. I forgot, I forgot Texas still plays West Virginia. Uh, I mean... Oh, okay, so what if... And it's, so, in, it's and then, in Austin. And then another scenario of what happens if West Virginia beats Texas uh-huh. and we beat West Virginia. That's where you get the and, three-way and thing. we would beat out there, um, Texas and it'd be West Virginia and us because Texas has a non-conference loss. Yeah, that's right. That that's how that okay. So I think that's, that's, that, that's yeah. That's yes. how that tiebreaker would work. I, I looked up the rules. One of my buddies asked me about it, and I was curious. And I looked up the rules, and they it goes from head to head, and if head to head doesn't work, it goes by uh, conference record. conference record. Then it goes by overall record. Yeah. Okay. So well, that's great. So we're good there. Thank God for Maryland. Um, oh God, that's really good. Isn't that weird? That feels so long ago that we were making mm-hmm. videos calling them uh, snake oil salesmen and. We don't trust them against USC. Ah. I, I'm, I'm sad, man. It's, oh. Let's just forget that happened. Yeah, I'm, I'm just going to delete poor Insta Schooner because it, <laughs> it, it, was, it was a very fun week, but it, 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 it's time, time to hang up Insta Schooner. It had a very solid four post. They were really cool. They, though. The it's video just, they were very wrong. Yeah, they were very wrong, and it took like a like a ton of effort clipping together us talking for. I can't I can't sit there and like listen to me talk for two hours saying the same things because I just yeah. nitpick it. But anyways, yeah, I, I I would be about it. I would be all about it. Um, I I kind of want a part of me doesn't want it to happen because I don't want to see Texas do good, and then you have that alternative of. What if, what if it was not in the Cotton Bowl? Well, well, well. Of course, it wouldn't be in the Cotton Bowl. And I'm saying, but you know, the whole thing we we're talking about, like the Texas OU game, needs to be at the Cotton Bowl. But the Big Twelve Championship game, guess where it's at? It's it's at Jerry. What if it? What if that was the thing it needed to get a little push? I know that would be I, bad, and I don't want to see that. So let's no. cheer a big time for West Virginia to beat Texas but, on that one. I'm, but I'm a little, a little curious of how that would look. No, no, we gotta I, have it in the Cotton Bowl. But what like, if it's terrible? What if it's just terrible? And everyone's like, "This sucks. Let's just let's not do this. Let's let's keep it the Cotton Bowl." I miss the Cotton Bowl. I miss Big Texas and the corny but dogs. How? See, I think the only way they'd say it's terrible if they did it for the OU Texas game and didn't get the state fair. But if you get the state fair and get a much hyped rematch between those two teams that have both have won out for the rest of the year, can you imagine it? Yeah, and honestly, but honestly, think it would be wild. It would be the hardest ticket to get. But honestly, in some ways, it might be able to satiate like the craving. Be like, hey, give, give you a little little OU Texas rematch at Jerry World. Like, you don't you don't need it. Here's your little Jerry World part. You know, you, maybe maybe you don't get greedy. I don't know. It, it, it there. freaks me out. I I don't want any kind of OU Ooh. Texas Jerry. Oh, World look at this! Thing. I got got a six PM OU Texas game for you. <laughs> you like it? No. Get, get to tailgate. No. Do, you, 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 you want a 6 p.m. OU Texas? I like waking up at alcohol, 6 Alcohol in the stadium. Ooh, I got a margarita for you. Okay. Ooh, look at the scoreboard. And, it's big. And you know the old buddy duds are all going to be for it. And all the old buddy duds. I think the old buddy duds would be anyway. against it. I... The old, are, you, are, you, are you kidding me? You think that the old people wouldn't want a 6 o'clock game? We got an 11 the o'clock game. The donors would be for it. Oh, yeah, totally. It, our TCU kickoffs, 11 a.m., cool. Oh, wonderful. God, I forgot about is, that. How isn't that just wonderfully awesome for OU again? <laughs> uh, but OU Texas, 11 a.m., Cotton Bowl. I'm very, very adamant Keep on it. that. Keep it. But uh, That being said, if it happens, they should will old Big Tex out in front of Jerry World. And yeah. That, just that's, I, okay. Get I would, some Fletcher stands. I, I get really, I, I get this big little kid smile on my face when Big Tex would talk. I, I really enjoy it. Don't forget to wash your hands. Exactly. <laughs> I, I'm not going to lie. I was, I was in line under Big Tex, 
and uh, he he was doing his thing, and he, he said, "Check out the miniature pig races." And I, a little t- <laughs> one small tear came to my. I'm like, God bless OU Texas. I, I get this huge smile. It, it actually happened. He it was makes just, me so happy. He was just. He was just. Uh, I love Big Tex. He's he's awesome. Um, you know what? You want you want to know something that'll make you mad? What they sell Fletcher's corny dogs at Texas football games. What? Yeah, they so, have a, they so have a Texas, concession stand. So Texas fans, this is just like nothing, no big deal. Here's the thing about Texas fans: I was expecting them to talk shit. They don't care. I've started to realize they just don't care about anything. They're just like, yeah, we get Fletcher's corny dogs. Yeah, we do know you. It don't, don't matter. They're just, I just, I do not like them. Yeah. I do not like them in a house. I do not like them with a mouse. That yeah. was a really lame Dr. Seuss reference. But all in all is. I I really don't want Texas to... I don't want to rematch them. People call me crazy. People would, are just really just like drooling over the thought of playing them again after we went out. But I, I don't want to do it just for the fact of that... Can you imagine Texas, with if they win that game, them having a chance to go to the playoffs? It would be, it would be brutal, but I feel like the best part of OU Texas is, is the stakes. And imagine... Taking that and just raising them up times a hundred. Whoever wins gets in the playoff, and you get the hat but back. But do you do you want Texas to even no, have I a don't. slim chance? No, I would. But imagine beating them for it. Beating TCU last year, it was just like okay, Blake Crowley sat again. Like that's nice. But if it's if it's we not only beat Texas, but we kept them out of the playoff, and like and that would just be. I don't know. I, I'm getting goosebumps just yeah, thinking about that it. That is true. The alternative would be so incredible. There's two sides of it. And uh, I don't know how much time we got, really, because, I mean, we've been on this for a while. But another scenario thing is, oh, man, I really hope if we do went out. I know that's kind of crazy to think right now. We're just being optimistic right now. I'm an optimist. Of, I think we're doing it. Of how of, If we can even make it to the playoffs with Notre, no, Dame. With Notre Dame not really having much in front of them. And Who's then, our toughest game? USC? Up ne- like USC, ahead? Florida State, Syracuse, uh, Boston College, I think, maybe. Oh, jeez. Uh, but that, that's pretty much it there. I think they have, No one ranked. Is it in South Bend? Is the USC game in South Bend? I know Florida State's in South Bend. Uh, I, I'm not sure. I, we, we, we're not. My first, yeah, my first thing, true. I think that it's in SoCal, but I'm not it, sure on that. I'm going to look it up. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. We need it, yeah, because Notre Dame... Well, we need to talk about this. It's, this is important. It's, it's at USC. We'll be, it's, okay, it's in, that helps. And that's the um, last game of the season. Uh, we would we need Notre Dame to lose. Yeah. Also, so Alabama slash whoever in the SEC wins the championship, no doubt's getting a spot. Ohio State, uh, they're looking dang good. Their defense hasn't been that stellar. They pretty much got a spot. Clemson pretty much got a spot because the ACC is absolute trash. Yeah. It, um, did it, how's how's Lawrence looking? Is he healthy again? Is he, uh, yeah, he played. Uh, he did they, okay they last game. Over. I mean, they rolled uh, over yeah. Wake Forest. But um, they're bad. I mean, it was Wake Forest, but yeah, yeah he's good to go. Uh, they play NC State this week. And, that could uh, be tough. And so that's a undefeated team versus an undefeated team, so that's big. So out of let me put it this way, out of Alabama, Ohio State, and uh Clemson, who do you think has the biggest chance of tripping up? Clemson. No, I, actually check that. I'm gonna go Ohio State because of their defensive woes and they've got better competition. But if you put Clemson in Ohio State schedule it'd be Clemson. Okay. Okay. I see I think I think I'm gonna go with I think I'm gonna 
I don't know. I, I'm not a big believer in this Clemson team this year. I think this is kind of a weak, weak year. So I'm, I think I'm going to go with Clemson. You think they can lose to NC State this weekend? Because that's their biggest game of the season. Like, that's true. And they'd have Miami probably most likely in, in the, the ACC championship. Yeah, probably. And probably. Miami, if they win that game, could spoil them. It would be kind of like last year, but they Miami would not go to the playoffs. I, I, I see Clemson somehow losing, too. I think they're going to lose to NC State and then just lose to just a random team. That's, that's fair. They almost lost to Syracuse. Now, you would think we'd, we could say Alabama because, you know, there's some good teams in the SEC, but I, I think kind of what we need to do, I think we, it's it's something I call the Bama theory. We need Alabama to completely win out because if they get one loss and somehow, like, are looking in, on the outside looking in, they're, they're just going to get in anyways. Yep. And we need them to win out, and we need Georgia to lose one game during the regular season. Which could, Com- coming with picks this this um, weekend, LSU is playing Georgia, so that is yeah, huge. So that is right. let's just roll right into picks and let's just exactly. let's just skip to that game. We'll start yeah, back from the previous top week. Just just saying, pretty rough. I I think I was two and six. I was I went three and five only because Kentucky covered by half a point. That pissed me off. That they didn't so, kick the extra point. They didn't have to. Yeah, and that's just ridiculous because yeah. because six and a half was the spread, and if they would have gotten the ball first. They would have kicked the extra point, and then they could have stopped Kentucky. It was it was but, just really unfortunate. And, and I was I won two games, and one I won was the one I was probably the least sure on. I picked Nebraska. Yeah, that was your easiest <laughs> one. Was... I got I got Nebraska with Wisconsin. I just kind of said, "Screw it, come on, Cornhuskers, let's try." Yeah, my my big. Uh... As game day would put, my super dog was Iowa State, and they they I came could, through I could big. OSU to win by more than eleven on that one. Oh, what am I thinking? I, I, Iowa State. I told you at the beginning. I, it's they're just gonna middle by and cover every I, I, game. I, I can't. I can't. Just, All right, ugh. let's dive on in. This is a long podcast. There's a there's obviously been a lot to talk about, but hey, I don't. I'm not complaining. Uh, huge game, massive game. I I have no idea why this isn't game day. The Georgia Bulldogs are heading on down to the Bayou and face them Louisiana Tigers. Um, LSU had a rough loss to uh, Florida. Um, the LSU train finally ran out. Um, however, I just got a weird feeling back in Baton Rouge. I think this Georgia team isn't as good as they were last year. I think Fromm, it, he's, he's all right. I think the other guy, he's good too, but if you have a two-quarterback system like like the legendary PFT commentator always says, if you don't have two quarterbacks, you only have one. You, you don't even have one. So I'm taking Mike the Tiger and the boys again. I'm riding all over on the. Uh, you got him to cover or one straight up? I got him covering. I'm not yeah. gonna go straight up yet. I I I, I think that I actually no. I'm calling it. upset special. LSU continues the cannibalization of the SEC. Oh, uh, don't they burst take my the dog? I was gonna pick him for my upset. Ah, dang it! I'm sorry about that. <laughs> okay, well, yeah, I I'm doing it in. Part of it, my thinking is I'm in last place in Pick'em, and I really want to see LSU win, so screw it. Let's just say LSU straight up in my my description, and if they cover, they cover. But to be honest, the, the real fan of me, I don't, I don't think it's going to be that close, but I really, really want to see LSU win because we need Georgia to lose. We do not want an undefeated Georgia going into no. the Alabama SEC championship and a chance for two SEC teams to go to the finals because we already have enough competition with Big Ten, ACC, and Notre Dame. Yeah. So and we need these games during the regular season bad. And Georgia still has to play Auburn. 
Oh yeah, and I think it's and Auburn, uh, but Auburn might be out of collab- Auburn is collapsing not. right now. So screw yeah. that. My, that. My pick of that was horrible. Maybe they'll still beat Alabama. They, they can that, still find some way to do but it. But they ain't making the playoffs. I'll tell you that much. But uh, I mean, would a two-loss SEC team make it over a one-loss? Um, a two-loss SEC champion make it over a one-loss? No. OU uh-huh. or Notre Dame? No, no, no way. If it was TCU, maybe. Yeah, but um, but other than that, yeah, give me LSU plus seven. I just doing this because it's fun this way. Uh, sports betting, I've realized that like ninety percent of people lose overall money when sports betting. Yeah. Um, and yes, I am losing, but screw it. Let's make it fun. Go yeah. No. Here. No. Of course. Of course. That's the way I do it. Next up, um, some good old Pac-12 football. We got a uh, number seven Washington at number seventeen Oregon. Oregon. It's kind of like slightly recovered from the overtime uh, debacle against Stanford, who is just plummeting. Uh, I don't know. I, I I don't think Washington's that good. I did you see I, what they I did say, last say, week? What did they do? They only beat UCLA by seven. Exactly. Exactly. Just proving my point. And UCLA is a disaster, but they're getting a little better. UCLLLLA. That is my favorite new Photoshop meme. You need to check it out if you haven't. I have a weird feeling you and I are going to be riding on Upset Central this, this week. I'm going Oregon to cover the three. I, I, I got Oregon winning. I'm going to pick a money line. I've got it as well. I'm picking Oregon money line. Oregon straight up win as well. Uh, I'll let you go ahead and talk a little more because I don't want to steal all of your bubble. <laughs> yeah, okay. Go, you I'll, go for I'll, it. I'll go first next time. But, yeah, uh, all right. Ju- yeah, Justin Herbert, I really like him as a quarterback. I think he's a guy come here in April that we can kind of see him as the premier guy for the NFL draft. Yes. He's got all the tools. He's done really well. And aside from a choke, a choke from the Oregon um, team in the Stanford game, uh, this is an undefeated team that everyone's hyping about in the Pac-12 and would be actually another person, t- another team to talk about in the consideration yeah. of the playoff. Because Oregon's for real, and I really like what I've seen. And Washington has just been so, yeah, for the rest of, for this season. Uh, I think Oregon's going to burst them and win by about 10 in this one. I think it'll be a really good game to watch. I think it's a weird Pac-12 230 game. It's 2.30? Yeah. I oh, you're kidding me. I was still looking forward to Pac-12 after dark. Yeah, so I, it's, I think it's at 2.30, if I remember right. Oh, but, uh, I dang think it. The, the night game is Wisconsin-Michigan. That's stupid. I'm pretty sure it's 2.30. Yeah. Um, I'm like 90% on that. But, but yeah, give me Oregon straight up. Um, I really like that. I really like that pick. Um, I'm discontinuing Dirty's Locks of the Week, if anyone was wondering. I think I've missed almost every single one, so let's just throw that out there. Um, next one, next out of conference game, uh, we got you got UCF next. Okay, yeah, you, you UCF minus four and a half at Memphis. I haven't watched UCF this season, but I've really liked what I've seen from highlights and from stat lines from Mackenzie Melton. A lot of people, that's their quarterback. A lot of people have been really hyping him up as actually a pretty good quarterback, even though, I mean, it's and it's really hard for me like to not go with the national champions in this one because... Whenever you see the national championship team going against a team with two losses in this part of the season and they're only four-and-a-half-point favorites, it's kind of weird. It is weird. And I did – I so I haven't watched UCF, but I have watched Memphis, and I watched them lose to Tulane. And I, maybe I'm not knowing the whole story, and I understand Memphis has a really good running back that led the country in yards per carry for a little while. I don't know if he still is. But UCF, they've been dominant, and Memphis has been – Losing to Tulane, and they're only four and a half point favorites. I understand they're on the road, but give me the national champions. Oh yeah, it's it's a ridiculous line. I think a lot of it's because of the name Memphis, and it's at the Liberty Bowl, sure. 
I know a lot of people probably aren't believing in our in the defending national champs, and it's a shame because hey, gotta give the champs some respect, especially with uh, Josh Heupel leading them, doing a fantastic job, I might add. Um, four and a half is silly. I'm giving. I you gotta give it. Give it to UCF. Give it to. Uh, uh, you gotta give it to them. Yeah, I, I think four and a half. That's it. That's. If if uh if this if I did locks the week this would be my lock I think it's going to be easy I think the uh, the Knights just triumph over Memphis and yeah that's all there is to say um yeah shout out to uh, Citronaut next up we got a uh, uh, number fifteen Wisconsin at number twelve Michigan uh let's see uh, Michigan's favored by seven and a half in the big house this is a tough one honestly I, I I'm I, I struggled with this one, but I think the Badgers are pro- are not as bad as they looked against BYU. Uh, I think they're going to be resurgent here. Um, I think they keep it close. I don't know if they're going to win, but I think they're definitely going to keep it keep it close. I think uh, I don't really care about Big Ten football. It's going to be ugly. Take the under. That's my lock of the week. Really, under on this. It's going to be a, just a gross game. I'm not a fan of Big Ten after dark. So whatever. Wisconsin plus uh, seven and a half. Yeah, so I won't be able to watch this game. I'll be on my flight to Cleveland. That uh, is true. Yeah, I'm going out. I'm going to go watch Baker Mayfield play. Heading but down. I won't be cheering for him. Go Chargers, baby. Ugh. Heading down to Cleveland town, everyone. <laughs> but it's it's on national coverage television, 12 o'clock this weekend, so you get another Cleveland game to watch. And just I think Chargers opened up as a one-point favorite, just for everyone who's knowing. I uh, bet big on Chargers. Uh, Wisconsin at Michigan, minus 7.5. I just can't see this game not being a close one, just being one of those year 7 o'clock Big Ten game where it's just kind of back and forth. Uh, I'm not, I don't believe in Alex Hornibrook, but Wisconsin scored 41 last week. I know that was versus Nebraska, but good for them. And that gives me some kind of hope in them. And I'm very, very confused with the 7.5-point line. I thought it would be a little bit closer. I thought it would be around 3.5 Michigan. Uh, but Michigan showed – Really, really um, good strides since they lost to Notre Dame, and they're showing that that was actually a pretty dang good loss because Notre Dame could end up being like what number three team in the nation all when it's all said and done. Yeah, uh, give me Wisconsin uh, to cover. I'm not going to tell you a winner. I think it's just going to be your three four point game. I, I could see either team, but I just I just don't see this game not being close, and especially with seven and a half. That's that makes me feel even better that Wisconsin could lose by a touchdown, too. Uh, I just don't get why people aren't hyping Wisconsin up more to be in that four-and-a-half, three-and-a-half area with Michigan. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I think it's, yeah, people saw them lose to BYU. They overreact. But on to our Big 12 games. Uh, we have a Thursday night game, which is I, – I, I love I love, I love a, a good Thursday night game. I feel like we haven't had a good one in a while. Yeah, we've been lucky with NFL football to get some good Thursday night games recently. But – I love Thursday night college football games because usually it's just snoozeville with NFL. Yeah, so it's Texas Tech at TCU. Uh, the Horned Frogs are favored by eight. Uh, who, do you, who do you got? The Horned Frogs are kind of in free fall. Yeah, Horned Frogs aren't doing too good. Uh, but Texas Tech is also an equivalent free fall. This is a team that we thought might be top five Big 12 team. But uh, they came into the season, and we were very spe- like skeptic about uh, – who their quarterback was going to be, and we really didn't know. And uh, Alan Bowman came to be that guy, your true freshman quarterback. But in the West Virginia game two weeks ago, the man collapsed his lung, and he's been in the hospital. And he just got out about five days ago. 
So this is Monday. I think that's whenever I saw the report. Uh, collapsed lungs are tough. Like, yeah. That's really, really painful. I don't suspect him being back. And their guy, Jet Duffy, is now their quarterback. He had two oh, interceptions. Oh, God, Jet Duffy? That's yeah. a terrible name. Yeah, two interceptions versus West Virginia, but he led a comeback to get him with an eight. Uh, but still, that was just in trash time. They were trying their hardest to do a backdoor, backdoor cover in that game. But I'm just not buying in on Tech. I think they're gonna, I think if you're seeing a free fall from teams, I think K-State's a uh, very, very uh, good candidate for free falls. But Definitely. I'm not going to make any opinions on K-State anymore. Uh, let's go Texas Tech free fall, TCU minus eight. That's my pick. Um, okay, well, let me put it that way. Well, let's also think about this. Uh, TCU's quarterback, Sean Robinson, also kind of struggling with the, the injury bug. Sure, it's not a collapsed lung, but I'm just not feeling the frocks. I kind of could see this happening a little bit. I didn't really put a put them super high. I think they're still dangerous. I think they're still sneaky. Uh, they're our opponent after the bye week. I think we should be on huge upset alert if that when, it, when that comes up. But that's for next week. I'm a big fan of Texas Tech. I think they can definitely... Uh, definitely put it up. I don't trust the Duffy kid. I feel really worse after figuring out that his uh, their backup's name is Duffy. It's just yeah, what, what, the, what the hell is that? <laughs> However, I think Tech is going. I think this is going to be a shootout. If this was seven, I'd have have to look long and hard at TCU. Um, but I I, 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 I got to go with Tech. I think they can at least keep it within a touchdown. It's going to be a. I, I think it's going to be a bloodbath. I'm excited about it, though. Um, so, yeah, Texas Tech. Uh, next up, we got Oklahoma State at Kansas State, two teams who are just yikes. Um, Oklahoma State just put up a stinker against Iowa State. They, they, they look awful, awful on offense. K-State actually played Baylor close. Uh, they covered somehow. Mm. Uh, that's, last week, got a, we got bit by a bunch of dirty covers. That was one of them. Uh, so... The Pokes are heading up to Manhattan, six and a half point favorites. Look, I obviously don't like Corny Dog. We've talked about this a lot, but I got it. OSU surely can cover six and a half. Surely you can win by a touchdown. I think it's going to be a messy game. Uh, I think I, I'm not going. I would not put money on this. Don't do not even touch this with a ten and a half foot pole. Not only just because of K State, but because of OSU. So. But just for the purpose of this, I got to pick them. OSU six and a half. I'm not going to do any kind of describing on why I'm picking this. OSU minus six and a half is my. I'm doubling down now. Now that I lost last week, we're just going to wait till K State loses a cover. This is a part of the system, right? The, yes, uh, this ha- the Martin Gale roulette strategy. Yes, it is. It, the, the 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 process is on. It's going to land on. Hopefully, it lands on red this time, but uh, I don't know. Oh, yeah. So, next up, we've got the uh, Baylor Bears at number... Oh, God. I'm going to feel sick. Number nine, Texas. Uh, The Horns are favored by uh, 14 and a half. I... Jeez. I... The Red River rivalry... No. The Red River shootout uh, hangover is very real. I think Texas isn't that great of a team. They're coming off pretty high win. 14 and a half. that's, That's respectable. I think that's about where it should be. Um, I think the Bears keep it close. I think they just barely, like, I'm talking, like, maybe even by half a point cover. I hope I didn't steal your thunder there. I, I know I did because you, you love, you, you like Baylor covering. But. So, I mean, Baylor's been very uh, fickle with covering. They've been back and forth. 
I had, I mean, I got it at 14. I think Texas wins by 13. I think that they've reached their high horse, and they're just kind of, eh, well, you can get Baylor, you know, and kind of mess around with them. They'll probably be up by, like, 21 at one point in the game. They'll kind of dwindle down just a little bit. It's going to be a boring game. There's not going to be much to it. Baylor's got some offense, so I, I expect some kind of backdoor-esque kind of cover with Baylor here. Um, I just don't see Texas rolling too much with their momentum. I don't think this is a team that you're going to see some kind of domination for the rest of the year. Let's just not forget what we saw at the beginning of the season with them. And, yeah, they beat TCU, but TCU is shown to be very eh this year. Um... They lost to Maryland. They beat a USC team. They haven't, other than us, I have not been really, I, I was impressed with the TCU game, don't get me wrong, but as I start to see TCU more, I'm not as impressed, if that yeah. makes any sense. That makes sense. I, I, I'm waiting to be impressed to actually like see something really, really good out of them to come after the OU game, but I'm not bought into their momentum yet. Uh, let's just, I'm, I'm not going to buy stock right there. Too high. Too high stock for me. Give me Baylor. All right, that's fair. Last game of the week. This one is going to be interesting. Uh, number six, West Virginia. Uh, six and a half point favorite at Iowa State in Ames. Um, this is major spoiler territory for me. I, Iowa State has covered every single conference game they've been in. This, this is a rolling stat. Um, West Virginia just had a really rough game against Kansas. What the heck? What do you think? I, I that that Kansas game pissed me off. West Virginia. I, I don't I don't know what's going on, but I'm I feel pretty good about West Virginia here. Uh, if if Dirty Jaime, Dirty Jaime's lock of the week was still a thing, I'd put it. And I know you disagree with me on this one, but I, once again, uh, they Zeb Nolan was just benched by Iowa State, and Iowa State went out and killed OSU. And let's not. I understand that they were eleven point dogs, but. It's OSU, guys. I was I had OSU as my number eight team in the Big Twelve at the beginning of the year. I don't think much hi- highly of them, and um, a lot of that has to do with Corn Dog and somehow Mike Gundy is making this team even worse by his coaching. Even though I thought very highly of him as a coach, uh, so don't give too much uh, credit to them after that OSU game. And I think six points is just absolutely ridiculous to give versus West Virginia, even though West Virginia did that versus Kansas last week. Come on. Yeah. Like, really? Really? West Virginia's going to just plummet them. Yeah, I, maybe. But also, Ames is spooky. I, I, my, 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 my analytics here is uh, Ames is spooky, and I keep winning on Iowa State, and whenever I pick against Iowa State, I lose against Iowa I lose. So I'm riding with the Hawkeye, or Hawkeyes. I'm riding with the Cyclones um, out of basically no reason. I'm actually Iowa State to win. Um, really? I, it makes no sense. I'm just going to go with it because it's going to be funny if it happens. Wow. I just I think I think it would be the most ridiculous team to trip up number six. It would be the most Big Twelve thing I to need, ever happen. I need West Virginia to keep on winning. I'm waiting for them to get to that Baylor game, and then the big old prediction of the year when Baylor comes in and beats them. It's, it's, I'm waiting for that. One of our cover teams is going to beat West Virginia, and I think it's going to be Iowa State. So there, there you have it. I uh, hope you enjoyed our uh, unexpectedly supersized uh, Mike Stoops firing slash Texas. We didn't even exit. have a preview today. We just took it. It's off. not. We didn't even talk. There's not. Wasn't even a football game on Saturday to talk about other than all these. But yeah, well, that's just kind of kind of how it is. So. We'll see you next week. Uh, blog's going to be pre- pretty much 
empty. We're off. So just uh, just enjoy enjoy your time of not thinking about football for a week, and we'll get right back to the grind of things. Uh, TCU week's going to be fun. We'll have Blake Crowley on to give his picks and his thoughts on the TCU game. That's going to be a very, very fun time if you don't know him. Uh, but yeah, thank you so much for listening as always. Uh, subscribe to us on iTunes. Uh, we've got the SoundCloud back up and running. Uh, if you like our stuff, don't forget to uh, maybe chip in a little bit on the Patreon. I don't know, I'm not going to beg, but still, got some little exclusives for you if you do. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for supporting. Keep rating us five stars. I uh, always love doing these, so yeah. Uh, Boomer Sooner, things will get better. Enjoy the bye week.